0: listening to The Mental Cast, a podcast with great discussions about mental performance training, coaching, and education and learning. Hosted by Dan Mickle, and powered by Soul Performance Academy. Please check out all social media accounts at 717Soul and at Real Dan Mickle for up-to-date information, challenges, and questions. If you'd like to reach out to us here at The Mental Cast, please email us at podcast at 717soul.com or podcast at Dan Mickle and we will get back to you and may use your questions for future episodes. You can also use the hashtags Ask717soul and AskDanMickle to reach us. Lastly, we would love your support across all our social media accounts at RealDanMickle for all of Dan Mickle's social media accounts and at 717soul for Soul Performance Academy. Thank you and now, here is your host, Dan Mickle. Hello, and welcome to The Mental Cast. I am the host, Dan Mickle, and The Mental Cast is powered by Soul Performance Academy. The Mental Cast is a monthly podcast dedicated to mental performance training, great conversations, and discussions about coaching and all things related to it, and maybe some great interviews now and then. Again, you can reach me at all social media, at realdanmichel, or reach out to us through soul at 717soul, danmickle.com, and soulperformanceacademy.com. Welcome to the premiere of season five. I'm excited to launch this next season, and if you happen to listen to the ending of season four with my State of the Universe address, you know that this season is going to be a little bit different because we are going to be looking at me and fixing me. And, you know, at the end of last year, I had a chance to really take a step back and just kind of look at how I was doing things and what was really important. And I just realized that I wasn't where I wanted to be. Now, don't get me wrong. Things are going great and I am enjoying life and family and everything. But I just felt like everything wasn't in sync. And part of that reason is I just didn't take the time to stop And look at what's going on and really evaluate what's going on so why am I doing this well first off I'm doing this for peace of mind you know how it is when you feel like something is just off and we can either ignore it put a band-aid on it or we can take a really deep dive and look at it and I decided that's what I wanted to do not only would it make some fun content it'll make me vulnerable which is something that we'll talk about a little bit here um later on this episode but it just also gives me a chance to share my story and what i'm going with a lot of people that might be going through the same thing and kind of figuring out working this out in real time um, this isn't prescribed this isn't laid out for the next six months exactly how i'm going to do it. it's kind of really off the cuff and those of you that tuned into my podcast either this one or the proper atmosphere shameless plug properatmosphere.com. Um, know that I like to do do things off-cuff, unscripted, as much as possible. So this isn't all laid out. And um, other than this uh, one sheet I got here for show notes, there's not much going. So everything's kind of going to be from the hip and from the heart. And we're going to go with it, right? So I realize that everyone has pillars, right? What are the things that they rely on in life or, or what they base their life on? And, you know, I like, I like the five pillars concept. And I thought, you know, what are the five pillars or the five virtues that really mean a lot to me? And and maybe I need to start there. And that's what I have to look at. So <clears throat> when I say fixing Dan, we are just going to go through my five pillars and look at how I need to reconnect with what my my true values are, my core values are and how I need to better live them. Um, not that they're horrible or, you know, completely off the rails, but I think they need to be revisited and see You know, how do I really think about these situations or these virtues? And then how am I actually living them or am I living them? Or have I fallen into the trap where I say this is what I believe or how I would act? But then when those moments arise, that's not actually what's happening. So this series is kind of a deep dive. And I invite you to come along, you know, to laugh at me, laugh with me, cry with me probably at some point. But also maybe it's a blueprint for you to kind of look at things and and see how you're doing it. So, what are my five pillars? Well, if if I really think about it, and I look at my five pillars, they would be integrity, empathy, generosity, stillness, and dependability, and and those are the five that we're going to look at. Um, and my goal is each episode for the next couple months are going to be focused on just one of those and then we'll kind of wrap it all up in a a big old present and hope that things have gone better or gone the way we want them to go. So we are going to start with integrity and that's a word that is thrown around a lot and it's funny because it seems like whenever there's an argument integrity gets thrown out that someone lacks integrity or this plan doesn't have integrity but rarely do we sit down and really think about what integrity means and looks like to us individually and, and how we're going to live it. So for me, when I think of integrity, the definition of what I'm looking at is going to be the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles and moral uprightness. And that can be tough, right? As we grow, as much as we don't wanna say it, our morals do change. What was acceptable to us in our teens and early 20s may not be acceptable to us now in our 30s and our 40s and you know, entering our 50s. So integrity is a pretty big deal. and And that's why I wanna start out with this. And I like to think that I have integrity, but I'm also not naive enough to know that I could do better. I can, I can certainly do better on things. How can we live with integrity? And it's really easy to say, I'm always going to be honest and I'm always going to do what I feel is right. <clears throat> That's the easy part. And I'm not even going to really dive much into that aspect of of what our beliefs are for integrity the easy way we work on that is we write down what our values are and we live by them right so you know honesty is a big part of integrity so you're going to live an honest life right again easy to say we write it down and i'm going to have that strong moral compass no matter what i'm always going to go the way that you know, ethically and morally, I know I'm right. Again, easy to say, and we can write them down and we can live them and we can try to. But what I want to look at is how do we stray from that and how do we end up in those situations where our integrity is questioned? Because I think too many times we think, well, I'm an honest person and everyone's going to think I'm honest. And what happens is our integrity ends up getting questioned a lot of times because of who we surround ourselves with. I could be the most moral person, the most honest person you meet, but if I'm hanging around people that are really low on the scale of morality and really low on the scale of honesty, that's kinda gonna seep onto me, right? The stink kinda gets stuck on you as well, as they say. And I think that's one of the things that we don't look at. We work so hard to fix ourselves and be better people, better humans, and better at what we're doing. But we don't take the time to stop and look at the fact that it might be the people around us that are causing the problem. it really has nothing to do with us. And we could take the easy route and say, well, people should know better. People should know that I'm not that person I hang out with, but society and what we do as a society does affect us. This is why people view, you know, different countries and the citizens of different countries in certain ways people view canadians in a certain way people view americans certainly in a certain way people look at ukrainians and russians and hispanic and you know all the different cultures that we can bring into things people automatically have those biases and and think about people that way so we already know that most people don't always separate individuals from the groups that they're a part of so when you find yourself starting to have your integrity or your morals or even your ethics questioned one of the first things i think you need to do other than looking at yourself is looking who you are surrounding yourself with and that could be social circles that could be professional circles that can be the, the company you work for if the company you work for doesn't fit your integrity doesn't fit your ethics. Not only do you have the internal conflict where you're working for a company that maybe you shouldn't be working for, the perceived outlook from people around you are also, well, that's what they must believe in because that's where they're working. You know, if you deep in your heart are against big oil companies, but you work for a big oil company, it's gonna be hard for people to believe that you're sincere in what you're saying because you're working for the exact entity that you're rallying against. And the same goes with our social circles and our circle of friends or our teammates. And I realize that sometimes we can't pick those circles. like We can't always pick our teammates. We're put on teams, maybe. But we certainly can figure out how we interact with them and how we hang out with them when it's not required. Because there's the point where if you're hanging out with people that you normally wouldn't hang out because their morals are different or their ethics are different, but you're hanging out with them because you want it, you know, it's better for the team and, you know, we want the team atmosphere. At what point is the sacrifice that you're making for yourself going to corrode that team? And then it doesn't even matter because it's actually going to be so disgenuine that it won't matter what you do. So I think too many times we jump in trying to appease everyone, that we end up hurting our own image or even our own sanity in situations for that. So that's the first one. We have to make sure that we're surrounding people with the same values that we want. It does take us back. When we talk about global, you know, a global society and global economics, it does kind of take us back to tribalism in a sense because that's why tribes survived. They were like-minded people. People that sort of believed the same thing, or wanted the same thing, hung out together, and that's what made them better. And then we've had this shift over the, you know, probably the last century about being more global and bringing everyone together. But, but the truth is, that can cause a lot of conflict personally, internally, and then also within the group. Because how do you decide who's right when you, you know, you get a group of 10 people and you're trying to make a decision? It can be tough just to decide where to go to eat, let alone how to make big decisions like politics, monetary decisions. So when we're talking about sports specifically, I have this talk a lot with parents. Stop looking at the events that these teams are going to do. Stop looking at how much they travel, what their uniforms look like, how much dues cost, and start looking at does this club or does this team hold the same values that I do? If I'm playing on a team and I just want to play to have fun, stay in shape, and enjoy it, but I'm put on a team that wants to win national championships and get scholarships or get players into the pros, I'm going to have a lot of conflict. I'm going to have a conflict internally because of decisions that I'm going to have to make. And I'm also going to have conflict externally with the other players on my team that believe in that same thing and want the same thing. And maybe I don't believe that. And I think too many times parents put their players or their kids on teams or the players themselves pick teams because of the prestige. It's a top team in the area. But it needs to come down to does it fit my philosophy? Does it fit my needs? Am I surrounding myself with people that believe the same as me? And sometimes the only way we know that is if we ask questions. We go to parent meetings, we read websites, we write these checks, but we never take the time to stop and ask, what is your philosophy on this? How would you handle this? Where do you see my son or daughter by the end of the season? You know, asking questions like that to get more feedback to see if you're surrounding yourself with like people, which will help your integrity and also help the integrity of the organization. Okay, next, we need to be aware of low integrity situations, and that can be social media, that can be your daily life. We have to look and see where people are trying to skate around integrity that may affect you or, you know, we we just saw it. I realize that not everyone will be listening to this at the same time, but we just saw it happen where a, a JV coach in basketball put on a uniform and acted like a player, and now that whole team has forfeited the rest of their season. We have to be careful of situations like that. How do we get a, how how do how am I a player that wasn't involved in that at all? but now I'm going to be labeled as part of that team because that happened. So we have to look for situations. Maybe I could have said something to a parent or someone else. Hey, this is what's going on. We got to get out of here or someone needs to stop this. There's just no way. There's so many checks that that should have never happened. But because people are scared, I'm going to get kicked off this elite circuit or I'll be removed from this elite club, that we start to sacrifice our integrity. And I will be the first to tell you I have done it. I have gotten so involved and wrapped up with teams and players, um, coaches, and programs that I did put my integrity on the back burner sometimes. Now, it was nothing major, but it was situations like maybe playing time. I got caught up in the moment, and normally when I would have played some bench players just to get them some time, I talked myself out of it because we're a top team and we need to always play the best. But I went astray from what I value from an integrity standpoint. I got caught up in a low integrity situation and went with it instead of fighting against it or trying to create it in a better sense. So we have to be aware of that. We can't just walk in blinders and think, okay, that doesn't concern me. It doesn't affect me. So I'm just not even going to look over there, right? We would never do that if someone was attacking us physically. If you walk into the gym and saw a coach hitting a player, or you walk in the gym and see two players hitting each other, chances are you are going to say something or do something about it. But in the same situation, if we see a coach lacking integrity with a player, or players lacking integrity with each other, We just ignore it, it's not my business, I don't need to say anything, just keep my nose out of it. And we have to be careful of that because that then erodes the rest of the team. Those decisions, ignoring it is a decision. Not making a decision is a decision. You're deciding not to act. And that has consequences. And I get that sometimes there's a reason for it and those are valid reasons but at some point we have to decide how important is your integrity to me. So what I'm saying with my list is that's the top thing now. When I'm in a conflict or I'm trying to make a tough decision, I'm going to look at integrity first. How does this decision affect my integrity? Now hopefully a lot of times it won't. It's not even an issue of integrity. It might affect other pillars and other areas I'm trying to work on, but integrity is first because without integrity, without having honesty with yourself, with your players, with your parents, with your administration, what do you have? There's no trust. And anyone that's heard any of my other stuff or sat in and any of my culture stuff, trust is the number one thing for teams. So if we have poor integrity, we're not going to have trust and then we're in trouble. We're in deep trouble. The other thing that we need to look at is we need to have self-awareness and be vulnerable a lot of times our integrity gets pushed on the back burner because we're afraid to look at it we're afraid to challenge ourselves we're afraid to look at things and say man i didn't handle that right or this is going to be really tough a prime example is the beginning of the year, if you have tryouts and you have a borderline kid and you think it would probably be best to cut them, but you talk yourself out of cutting them because it's the nice thing to do. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. But is having the, integ- the integrity and having that discussion right away and saying, look, I just don't think you're going to fit this team. You know, Thank you for the hard work, but we're going to go a different direction. That has to be better than just stringing that kid along all year. Why aren't they playing? They're sitting on the bench. They're not getting any attention. And then that just, you know, festers and causes more problems. Right. So that's what we need to look at when it comes to integrity from a coaching standpoint and from a tryout standpoint. You know, what are those issues where you put your integrity on the back burner? Maybe a kid's hurt, but he's not super hurt. So, hey, we can leave him in there because we got to win this game. It's a really important game. So you're willing to sacrifice the health of a player for that win. I think those are the things that we have to look at from a coaching standpoint when it comes to integrity. I'm not saying it's everything like everyone's cheating, like it's a scandal and we're shaving points or we're you know, cheating on the scorebook. I'm talking about the integrity of the little things, staying true to your vision, saying, Staying true to what you want out of your team, out of your classroom. What's your individual integrity? And we have to be self-aware and vulnerable. We have to be able to look at ourselves and say, man, I didn't handle that right. Or I'm really letting this slip. I'm, I'm chasing this championship, I'm letting things slide. Again, perfect example is me over the last couple of years. I've wanted my teams to be so self-sufficient and self-training that I let things slide in the name of they'll get it and they're growing from it. And the truth of the matter is I just didn't want to admit that it wasn't working or it needed to be fixed or maybe what I thought would work isn't working. So you turn a a blind eye to it and hope that it passes over. And that's really hard. It's really hard to sit down and have those honest talks with your staff, with your players. Heck, even with your parents. I know that's taboo. You know, we don't talk to parents. Parents don't talk to coaches. Like, stay away. Ah, right? But the truth is we're all stakeholders, and we have to do a better job of talking about it. And we have to have that integrity. I know a lot of coaches put in that 24-hour, 48-hour rule where you can't talk to a coach after a game or a tournament. But why? I understand that things could get heated. But if you have integrity and moral uprightness, what are you going to say two minutes after the match that you wouldn't say 20 minutes? Now, it might sound a little bit different because you're a little bit heated. But if you have true integrity, What you say in 20 minutes will be the same as what you would have said one minute after that big loss. You just have to work on how you present it and, you know, the words you use, the tone you use. But if you're honestly living by integrity and living and coaching with integrity, that conversation should be pretty close to the same regardless of when it is because the points are the same. I made this decision and we did this because I felt like this is the best for the team or I wanted to accomplish this, and I thought this was the best way to do it. All this 24 hours is going to do is make those stakeholders suspicious that you're trying to find an answer that will appease everyone. And it probably stresses you out more trying to figure out what to say and how to do it. Again, takes practice. takes a long time just to be comfortable with that. But I found that's an area that I can improve on. I need to be more vulnerable. When it comes to the coaching side, I feel from a personal aspect and personal relationships, I'm very vulnerable, but I think from the coaching side, I'm not as vulnerable and I need to be. Now that's not saying I'm a pushover. It's just saying I need to be able to have honest feedback. It doesn't matter if it's a parent or if it is a player or someone on my staff or even an administrator. If they're giving me feedback, that's, that's good. That's what I want. That's how we grow. And I have to be vulnerable to say that. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. I'm just going to walk away. Nope, we're not talking about it. Or we'll talk about it Friday, and then Friday comes. Well, we'll talk about Sunday, and then Sunday comes. And you just keep pushing off till finally someone forgets about it. And now you're back right at square one. All right, so those are the areas that I think we need to look at and work on. So so how do we actually do it, right? We need to know our values first. That's, that's first and foremost. And I've talked about and I've done presentations on coaching philosophies, personal philosophies. You're gonna hear a lot more of it because it's a big push of mine. But too many times we think we know what we stand for. We think we know what's valuable to us. We think we know the orders. Empathy, generosity, integrity, stillness, dependability. I just didn't come up with them. I had to sit down and write down all the values that I can think of. What are all the things in, in my life and what I do in personal life and what I do in my work life? What are all the words that come into play? And then I just picked what are the five that actually do mean the most to me? And I ranked them. When I looked at my list of 20, 25 words, I said, these are the five most important things to me. I can't always be everything to all of them. So I have to pick the five that mean the most to me. And my five will be different than your five, and that's okay. That's what makes us different coaches, different people. We need to celebrate that. But there's too many people that just don't know where they stand on a lot of things. If you don't believe me, walk up to a coaching friend and ask them what their coaching philosophy is. Most of them will stumble around, try to say, well, I believe in blah, blah, blah. But good ones will say, my coaching philosophy is dot, 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 hit the bullet points and tell you what it is. Because they thought about it. And that's where I'm at and pulled into my personal life. This is my life philosophy. And thankfully, my life philosophy and my coaching philosophies, they mesh and work together. But too many people don't think about what their life philosophies are. How many times are you maybe not honest and i'm not saying like a pathological liar i'm not saying you know anything major but how many times are you is your integrity challenged in a day how many times aren't you showing integrity you know maybe you're taking money out of the give a penny take a penny to pay for something instead of you know the the small amount that it's intended for maybe you're taking shortcuts Maybe you're driving the wrong way on a street because, you know, no one ever drives that way and it's 10 minutes shorter. They may not see like big deals, but they're a pattern. And that's what we build off of. But we don't know it if we don't take the time to look at it and go back and reflect on it and have feedback on it. And that's where the vulnerable part comes. We have to be open to that. We have to be able to hear someone say, look, man, what you did the other day was kind of shitty right? We need to be able to have that feedback. We need to be able to look at it. So that's first and foremost. We we have to know what our values are. We're going nowhere if we don't know what's important to us. Next is we create that personal philosophy and a coaching one or a work philosophy, whatever you need it for, but we sit down and we write it. We pick those 20 words and out of those 20, we pick the top five and we rank them. Then we write short definitions of what those words mean. And then we just create actual paragraph and and make a flowing document. And you can go to DanMickle.com, click on resources, and you'll see. I think it's resources or it's about me. Um, Click on there and you'll see my coaching philosophies. And you'll see how I did it, the words that I picked, then describing what they mean to me. But we need to do that for everything. Even if you're listening to this as a parent, you're a stay-at-home mom. What's important to you? You still have values. You still have things that drive you, but how often do you think about it? How often, as a stay at home mom, have you thought about, yeah, this is what really matters to me? And then when I get in, you know, arguments or I'm fighting or, you know, standing up for my kid, I now know why. Or I know how to resolve it because this is what's important to me. So if the coach is telling me I have to pick between A and B, I know what I'm going to pick because I know which one falls in my values instead of having that back and forth where we get sick in our stomach because we're worrying about everything. We're always fighting about everything. Creating a personal philosophy is a must for your sanity. And it really doesn't matter whether you're a CEO working in the mailroom or you're a stay-at-home parent. You can still and should still have a philosophy. The next piece is self-awareness. We need to know we're doing it. We can't walk around with blinders saying, oh, yes, I have integrity and I'm honest and I'm ethical, but we don't look and we don't get feedback or we don't reflect on it to see if we actually are or if we're just saying that. So we have to be self-aware and know what we're doing, how we're acting, who we're hanging out with and how that appears. It's not just what we're doing, but how it may appear to other people. And then the last is be vulnerable. Be able to accept that people are going to have different opinions of you, of your team, of your players, of your coaching style, of your parenting style. But be vulnerable. There might be some good that comes out of it. You might not like the tone. They might say it pretty bad. But maybe that will force you to look at it and say, Oh, you know what? You're right. I need to change this. Or this is why they're wrong, because here's what I do. But either way, you need to be vulnerable. So to recap, we need to know our values. We need to create a personal philosophy or a work philosophy or a coaching philosophy. We need to be self-aware of what we're doing, what our actions are, who we're hanging out with, and how that's perceived. And then we have to be vulnerable. We have to be able to have people tell us their feedback and give us their input and either accept it, debunk it, make adjustments to, but feedback is no good if you don't get anything from it. All right. Perfect. So I hope this was a fun episode. I hope you are excited for this journey. I'm I'm nervous because I am going to open up a lot about this. But again, I hope it's going to be therapeutic for me, and I hope it's therapeutic for other people, especially, you know, coaches. I know that my podcasts are for everyone, but I really hope that um, coaches take the time and think about, you know, what what's your integrity? How are you showing it with your own team, with your own administration, and then with opponents and officials and... And just kind of looking, am I living the life? Am I being seen the way I wish I was being seen from those around me? So we need to be more open and vulnerable. So again, thank you um, for joining in. I'm excited. Uh, In case you haven't noticed, we're also doing, uh, the podcasts are now gonna also be on video on YouTube. A lot of people have been saying they like watching things on YouTube. So we're going to do it both. You can still get it all the same podcast places, um, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, all that stuff. You can still get the audio version, but now you can also go to YouTube and get the video version of the podcast. If you have any questions, reach out to me, podcast at mentalcast.com or across all social media at RealDanMickle and at 717Soul. Make sure you check out soulperformanceacademy.com and the offerings that we have there, and the training information that we have. And most importantly, share, like, subscribe, and and let's just blow this up again. Let's let's continue to have this discussion. Hit me up in the comments with your questions, your comments, your thoughts. Let let's have some genuine talks in the comment section about this, and and let the whole world see. But. Um, I appreciate you spending these minutes with me out of your busy day. It does mean a lot to me, believe it or not. I know that may sound disingenuine, but it's true. It does mean a lot that you take the time to listen or watch these episodes. So as usual, peace, much love, don't suck. One day one, it's either day one or one day your choice. It's up to you. I'll see you all next month for episode two, and we're going to talk a little bit about empathy and how I need to be better with empathy or how I can be better with empathy. So see everyone. Peace out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the mental cast. We hope you enjoyed it. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review for this episode to help boost our exposure. And remember, you can reach out to us with the hashtags Ask717Soul and AskDanMickle. And you may also email your questions to podcast at 717Soul or podcast at Dan mickle to reach us. And we may use your questions for future episodes. Thank you. And we look forward to bringing you more episodes in the future.